we all have infinite room for improvement. So like in reality, we're all at the same point on the spectrum. Like just because like you might think that you're the shit and that you're like the best skater at the park or whatever. But in reality, you always have a comfort zone that you're trying to push past. Right. And the little kid that's never dropped in is at the same point at you. And so when you sit, when you see a kid like learn something and push through that fear, that is so sick and mm -hmm. it's like so exciting and it pushes you to do, you're like, damn, like that kid learned <laughs> how to drop in. Like, I'm gonna like do my invert today or whatever. Like you get yeah. psyched, you know? Yeah. And then the kid sees that and they're like, holy shit. Like, I didn't know a person could do that. Like, I'm, I wanna do that someday. And it just, it creates a, a environment of improvement and yeah everyone welcome back to bindalism this week i sat down with richard bowen who is he? Well, he is a stand-up comedian. Um, he currently lives in Burlington, Vermont, where I had the pleasure of sitting down with him. And he's also a really good skateboarder. We originally met Richard at a lovely time. He was one of the artists performing and it was pretty cool because it's the first time that I've ever been to a festival that had stand-up as part of the lineup with a bunch of other musicians and he had a really killer set and he was also at Otis Mountain Get Down as well. Really cool guy and it's cool insight into the comedy world and uh, I thought that he brought a lot of cool connections between comedy, hip-hop, and just action sports in general, which you'll you'll understand the context of that when you, you hear the interview. We talked about everything from skate park etiquette to what kind of training and practice really needs to go into being good at writing good comedy it was a really cool interview and i thoroughly enjoyed it i think you guys will as well one last thing before we get into the episode i just wanted to hit on the fact that i said last episode that we were going to be doing video to pair with our podcast and right now we're still trying to figure out our system as how we're going to make that work. And the last, this episode and the time in the episode before, uh, we tried and it didn't really come out the way that we wanted it to. So we're going to kind of hold off on posting any videos until we have our system down and everything's just working the way that it's supposed to. That way we can just be putting out consistent quality content for you guys to consume so until then we're gonna kind of hold off on that but stay tuned it'll it'll happen eventually all right well without further ado we're gonna get into this episode with richard if you haven't already 
give it a give us a review subscribe tell your friends and other than that i hope you guys enjoy this i know i i had a good time talking with richard thanks for sitting down with me my man i look forward to seeing you sometime soon this is our episode with richard bowen So, we're here with Richard Bowen out in South Burlington today. Uh, this is episode 11, so welcome Sweet. aboard. Thank you for agreeing to do this, like, last second. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, I'll do a little rundown of who Richard is, and then I'll let him introduce himself. So, Richard's basically a stand-up comedian. Are you from the area? Or where you originally uh, from? I should probably get that before <laughs> That's kind of a long story. I uh, I claim Vermont. It's where I've lived okay. the longest. But I was born in South Carolina, and uh, I've lived in South Carolina, North Carolina, um, both of those places till I was like I think seven, and then okay. I moved to Alaska and I lived there from like eight to thirteen. Wow. Okay. And then I went back and forth every year of high school. I came to Vermont for my my parents' divorce, and I came with my mom to Vermont for my freshman year, Northeast Kingdom, Linden Institute. And then they got back together, so we went back up there. Um, and then they it like didn't work out like immediately. But my mom stayed for the year in Alaska. I went to North Pole High School, and then. My mom came back to Vermont and I came with her, went back to Linden Institute, and then I wanted to graduate with people I knew. So I went back to Alaska <laughs> to live with my wow. dad. But then I ended up going to a different high school. So I actually, I went to three different high schools. So basically you're a, he's a stand-up comedian from all sorts of places. <laughs> yeah, too many. All over the place. Um, and you're also a pretty good skateboarder from what I've gathered and seen in person, so I'm sure we can get into that as well. But uh, why don't you introduce yourself, kind of give a little like summary about you, and then we can kind of go into it. All right. Um, yeah, I'm Richard Bowen. I identify as a skater. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been skateboarding since I was 13, which was 1999. I'm 33 years old. Well, you got the first part of the story moving back and forth. After I graduated high school in Alaska, I moved back to Vermont and I went to uh, Vermont Tech one year at Linden State College and then I settled at Johnson State College, Okay. which I pretty much chose because of the skate park there. <laughs> I don't, have you been there? I haven't. Okay. I'll yeah. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's cool. It, it uh... It, there was a trailer park that flooded, and then the town, uh, they moved all the trailers to a new space, and then they had this big open area, and they put a vote out as to what to do with the space, and uh, I can't, it was like community garden, I can't remember what the other options were, but skate park was one of them, and somehow skate it park won. prevailed, yeah. That's awesome. And when I got to that town, it was... It was in like okay condition. I guess it started out like it's a big loop that comes off of the road. Okay. 
So I, I think it goes like 150 feet in and then it's a 300 foot long, 16 foot wide path. And then there's another, and then it L's and goes back to the road. So is the park like in the spot in between the roads? No, it's on the... Oh, okay. It's on the... Gotcha. So the first part in is the driveway, and then you have this 300-foot-long strip, 16 feet wide, yeah. and then it turns and goes up. And um, it used to be just a bunch of garbage, like just jump ramps and like, you know... DIY stuff? Well, not even that, Just, just like... Oh, this I have this dead refrigerator, like <laughs> okay, that type you. of stuff, yeah. like a whatever tire with a board find. on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I, I never really saw in that state. Um, when I got there, this kid Cody, oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting his last name. <laughs> Someone should let me know, and I could put it in the notes or something. But this kid Cody and my other friend Josh Lemieux, who is a he's a chef in town, and he lives in Burlington mm-hmm. now. Williston Coffee Shop okay. represent um, him and uh, yeah Josh and Cody had built a bunch of stuff there. There was a really sick mini ramp when I first moved there. That was pretty steep, and then Cody had built some like pretty big stuff. And uh, yeah, it was just a uh, just a bunch of wooden ramps with metal. And I just thought, you know, I went to look at Johnson State College. Cause I wasn't really sure. I started out in web design mm-hmm. at Vermont Tech, and then I didn't like that, and I was gonna do television production at Linden State. But I really just took general classes, and I had an art class, and I didn't, I didn't really know that's what I wanted to do. I don't know. It just seemed kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But I had this art class, and the teacher noticed that I got really into my sketchbook, and she asked me what my plan was, what I was studying. And I was like, oh, TV, but I'm not really sure. And then she's like, you should be an art major and you should check out Johnson State College. And I'd heard that there was a skate park. So I went and I toured the school. That's nice. Yeah, and I, I was like, stoked to check it out anyways. And I toured the school and the the arts building was really cool. There's like wood shop, metal shop, painting studios. Oh, wow. Like everything. Yeah, it just looked neat. Like I had never been like super into visual art, but I'd always been like a tinkerer mm-hmm. and stuff. And it was just a neat building. So I was like, this is cool. And then I asked the um, the outdoor teacher, Brad Moskowitz is his name. Uh, I was like, hey, do you know where the skate park is? And he told me. So I went straight from the tour to the skate park. <laughs> Classic. And as soon as I saw yeah. the skate park, I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to live here. So I did that. And then, uh, and, uh, yeah, I just kind of, I built wooden stuff there, a bunch of wooden stuff there for like six or seven or eight years. Um, I did get a, a studio art degree and nice. yeah, I, and I did, I really liked, uh, printmaking and photography but I, I never like totally got hooked by visual arts. Once in a while, I'd get stoked on a project and kind of get really into it. But you know, I never like took the time to get really good at painting or. Yeah, it, it seems like you're. I guess you're more just like interested in all facets of visual art, but nothing like specific. Yeah, right? yeah, and I just really liked being around those people. Yeah, you know. Super cool minds. People yeah, are always yeah. coming up with really cool stuff. And just, uh, yeah, just talking to, 
people who do creative yeah. stuff. It's just fun. They're just interesting. Mm-hmm. And I find that like those people like that, they're doing, it doesn't really end at the classroom right. or with a project. Like they tend to just be into cool music or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just like a whole lifestyle as corny as that sounds, but. No, I mean, that's definitely true. Uh, whether it's like a f- people, I'm even just doing this podcast or just in the, like the last year, I've met a lot of really cool people, um, you know, traveling, going to different festivals and stuff. And it seems like, you know, whatever that person's doing, whether it's photography or drawing or comedy, like that's their creative outlet to yeah. kind of express who they are. But you're right. Like it does kind of fall over into other things in their life. And you can see like how they go about doing other stuff. You're like, huh, that's interesting. Cause yeah. someone that's not really artsy probably wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's like their fashion or whatever. So yeah. it's very interesting. So you, you said you went to a bunch of different high schools. Um, at what point in like grade school, I guess, did you really get interested in like, you said 13 when you started skating. So like, yeah. how did, how did that like come to be? Um, well, I watched a lot of TV when I was a kid, and I just I thought the X Games was cool. Like, Fair. I loved watching it, and a bunch of kids, uh, a bunch of kids at my middle school that I thought were funny and cool mm-hmm. skated, and I kind of like worked my way up from like I was like pretty much a goober in like fourth or fifth <laughs> grade, like the weird kid. But by eighth grade, I really figured out I just was, I just wanted to be funny like all the time. That's all I, like, I was a really smart kid, but I pretty much, I kind of remember like the moment in fourth grade or so where I realized like how little effort you could put in and still pass. And I was like, well then. What am I doing? (laughs) That's all I got to do. Like I can just come to school and have fun and like fuck off. Oh yeah. I did the same shit. Yeah. Probably not on the same level as you. I mean, I'm just comparing myself to kind of like the humor and stuff that you portray. And I don't know if it's the same, mm-hmm. but like I was voted class clown in my oh, school. Oh, yeah, me too. But um, I was more just like, I'm a super animated person. So I'm just like high energy and like I'll get people to laugh because I'm like acting out. But um, yeah. What kind of humor were you really into like early on? Like what, what kind of stuff were you doing in school? Um, to like get people to just laugh. like it was all over the place. Just, I was always quick witted, like mm-hmm. just crack. I'm just I just love being cracking wise, dude. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard for me to remember like specific. Uh, I mean, people say that all the time, like, oh, I'm just like funny in the moment. But it was just like that. Like I was always making wisecracks when the teacher was talking. Um and I always kind of like enjoyed treading that line where like the teachers liked me because I was smart and I think that they I think that it was obvious that I was engaged because I was cracking jokes like I think they gave me a little bit of leeway because they're like oh like I think it makes sense like I'm not gonna like yell at this kid because he's obviously listening to what I'm saying but then obviously sometimes like it would it would piss him off, you know? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> did, um, 
Do you think that at any point you were distracting anyone? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, I mean, I feel the same way now. Like a lot of times, like it was like all I could do. Sometimes I'm just like, I just got to like stop myself <laughs> where it's like, I know I'm going to get in trouble if right. I, if I do it too much. And I was never like a. I was always like a pretty square kid, like as far as like, I never really did anything that bad, mm. you know, like I didn't, I hardly skipped school. I, I showed up, I was on time, like I would turn in my work, like shit like that, but I just couldn't resist. Like I said, I think that was like, that's always been a thing I like is like, how can I, I do that with crowds now too, like I like want to get on their good side, but then like see how far I can push them or like fuck. Cause you're just like, it's a funny thing to like have someone like you and like fuck with them and kind of like roast them at the same time yeah. without losing, without them losing respect right. or admiration for you. That's an interesting line, but. What was your first actual like um, official show that you did? Was it like um, in front of friends or was it like an actual venue? Well, I remember, I remember doing some weird, like when I was a kid, I brought like my parents into my room and like played music and like did air guitar or something. Mm -hmm. um, that was like, and that was in North Carolina. So that was the first time I was like, oh, like you can, uh, I knew that a show was a thing you could do. Mm -hmm. And I made some kind of attempt at it. And then let's see. In fifth grade, I sang uh, Weird Al's uh, Gangster's Paradise, or Amish Paradise. Yeah. I remember doing that in front of the school. Um, in, this is a cool story, my sophomore year of high school, I was in a welding class. Okay. Um, I did a bunch of welding in high school. Um, I got to do, um, I kind of, I did that every year except for my senior year. Um, I was able to take some kind of welding and yeah, my sophomore year of high school was in North Pole. Um, but I had actually, I was at a different high school the year before and I'd taken the welding class. Mm -hmm. So for whatever reason, it just had a different name. I was able to take the same class and get credit. Yeah, that's nice. But I already knew how to do everything. Right. So I literally, I literally finished all my projects in like three days. Cause I just knew, I knew right. all the, it was like the exact same. So work. you're just like speeding up everyone. Like everyone's watching you like, what the hell? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. And then I just fucked off. I just met, I made a ton of fingerboard ramps, like sick That's fingerboard hilarious. ramps. <laughs> and, uh, and I made a rail to skate and like, I was pretty into snow skating at that point. But my teacher was really cool. His name was Jerry Million. Wow. One That's of the best teachers <laughs> I ever had. Yeah. Such a cool guy. Like. He owned a, a a car. He like worked on cars, but he, he got this teaching job in uh dude, one day we couldn't go in the shop for some reason. And he played us the story of, it was like the real guy, Frank Abingdale from Catch Me If You Can. Mm -hmm. Like that's a real story. And he played us a tape. You know, this was like 10 years before that movie came out. He played us a tape and it was just that guy like telling his life story. So he like, t our teacher played us a That's con crazy. man, like telling us how he like got through <laughs> life by con. And I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard, you know? Uh, and then the same teacher one day, I got pretty into prank phone calls. 
because I, I had to take the bus, the city bus. I lived in a different town. Okay. And I would get to school. Uh, I'd get to school like an hour early and have to be there an hour after school got out Damn. to wait for the yeah. city bus. So I would do, we still had pay phones, so I would just prank call 1-800 numbers. <laughs> and he, dude, he let me do a prank call for the class on speakerphone. I like called this guy in, in the classifieds. Yeah. And so that was a full on performance. Did you have like you know? a, uh, a go-to character or whatever when you did those or was it just like random? Oh, I did a lot. I did a lot of, I would do, I would do an Indian accent. I could do the British accent, like pretty much, I don't know, I probably had like eight or 10. I would do like the New York guy, like <laughs> I kind of listened to like a little bit of Jerky Boys, um, a lot of different voices. I was never like mean on the phone though. I always wanted to like, again, I always wanted to tread that line of like, I wanted them to think it was real so that I could talk to them longer. Right. And it was fun to like see how long, see how crazy I could get and main, and like keep a straight face and not like break, you know? Before the person's like, okay, there's something up here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the longest phone call you ever did? Do you, I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah. I probably, probably 20 or 30 minutes. Wow. Maybe like, I'm, I'm probably exaggerating. Like I never, uh, I remember getting into the soundboards um, like Judge Judy, Dr. Phil soundboards. <laughs> Those are no, I don't know. I honestly, I'd really like to do more of that. Like I cause I really like improvising and it's fun. And being a character is just fun. Like you kind of like, uh, your brain like creates this whole reality and right. it's fun to like wander around in that reality and kind of like illustrate it for an un, unwitting person. Um, <laughs> Is there like any scenarios that you like kind of steered towards in those calls? I was like, I was pretty creative. I remember one time calling a hotel reservation service and uh, I told them that my mother-in-law was coming to town and I didn't want her staying at my house because she always steals my towels. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, and she wets the bed. So like, what do y'all have like rubber sheets and like... Just like yeah. creating this like basically like being like look this person is a nightmare. I want them to and stay. And I want here. them to stay at your hotel. <laughs> There's a um what is it, Elvis Duran in the morning? I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Uh -uh. They're I know they're out in like Syracuse area, but definitely check them out. They do um a, like they do a daily one. Uh-huh. And um sometimes they do it with their family members or they'll do it with just random people, but they call in from the station, they do these like they'll call like an auto body shop or something. Uh -huh. And they'll call the boss and be like, "Yeah, so at pretending there's someone who works there." Like, yeah. "Oh, so and so like screwed up all this stuff at the shop while you were gone." Mm -hmm. And like just get this person really pissed off early in the morning. And then Damn. it's just like them freaking out on the phone for like a while. But I think you can find those like on YouTube or something. There's some good ones though. Okay. Um, yeah, I've always used to listen to those. Um, Dude, but, I remember when I got my first cell phone, I worked at this sporting goods store in St. Johnsbury and I would, I prank called the store from inside the store <laughs> while I was working a couple times. And that was dope because I could like, 
you could see the you could see the register, yeah. But you could be you could be pretty far away right. in the other in this other room, and if you got at the right angle, you could like look through the door and like see him, <laughs> like getting getting worked up, you know. That's hysterical. Yeah. I don't, I, we used to, uh, prank phone call my friend, my two friends and I, we would go to, um, the, like our home mountain, which was from where we lived was like a 45 minute drive. So not like too bad. Um, but his mom, my friend's mom would drive us. So we'd be in the back and we would always call this, um, it's like a Chinese restaurant in New York city called, uh, Bobo's, I think. Uh-huh. Or the name of the the owner was Bobo, and yeah. we would call him. And my one friend had this character called Leon Phelps. Uh-huh. He's like, "Well, I'm Leon Phelps, aka the ladies' man. I'm just here to give you a survey on pencils." <laughs> and you just like go off on this, and people would like actually do it. It's no, just yeah. hysterical to see like how long people can actually fall for stuff. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I always, yeah, the best is when you can end the call without them, without breaking. Yeah. Because then you're like, because then in that person's mind. It's real. It's real. (laughs) Yeah. And they always kind of have that seed in the back of their mind where they're like, holy shit, like there's this crazy guy out there. That's so true. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Damn. Yeah, it's you could for- you could like if someone's like super gullible, you could probably like convince them of a lot of shit. Oh yeah, that's, that's yeah, it happens all. That's <laughs> yeah, that shit does happen artist, like you know? all the time. Hmm. Yeah. So when did you start to actually say you know this comedy thing is like this is what I want to do and I'm gonna start like consistently doing stuff for it? Well, that was all. Since I knew, my dad used to play uh, Steve Martin and Bill Cosby records Mm -hmm. when I was a little kid. And like from the first moment that I realized what uh, the concept of working for a living and that people uh, did comedy to make a living for themselves, I thought that was like the cool, that was my dream. That was my first dream ever. But I, you know, I grew up everywhere I lived was pretty rural um, up through college, you know, mm-hmm. and I stayed in I stayed in Johnson after I graduated for another, like I said, I think like six years after that. I did some traveling and stuff to skate, but the majority of my time, the vast majority of my life up until I was like 28 was in was in small towns and it just never comedy a it was terrifying because I was like pretty I don't even know if introverted is the right word but just like I was just kind of like terrified of like people in a way like like a lot of people in ter- one place yeah, yeah yeah I never I never liked going to parties um I definitely like social anxiety mm-hmm. and so the so I had this thing that I loved doing and and did do a lot in school like I it's fun people are like oh when did you start doing comedy and it's like I just always kind of yeah like there's no I've been funny my whole life and I've and it's like like I'd focus on it and think about it and like and work on like my characters and shit when I like talking to myself when I'm in the shower or whatever like it's kind of a thing that I've honed my whole life um, 
but uh, what was I? What was I gonna say? Oh, oh. So yeah, I kind of like, um, like I said, I went to Johnson. I got an art degree after kind of like meandering through college. I ended up with an art degree. Didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. I started building. Um, I started building ramps and skate parks with uh, David Wood of Talent Skate Park. Um, just as like a, like, oh, well, I know how to weld and I like to skateboard and I got super into building those fingerboard ramps and stuff. And then when I moved to Vermont, um, I was, I heard that Dave built parks outside of mm -hmm. Talent or whatever. So I hit him up and I was like, Hey, I, you know, I know how to weld. I heard you build parks and he put me on the next job he did. And then he always, he called me every time after that. So my whole twenties, I, I built parks and I worked on the Johnson park and was always building stuff there. And I kind of like, I think I sent a resume to like California ramp works. And I thought about like, kind of like taking that route to like fully go after building parks. And I, I like, I was like, maybe this will be like my thing. Like mm -hmm. I'll just like fully get into this and, it's creative and and it is a way to contribute to skateboarding. Um, but I just could never like, I could never like, I don't know, I just never fully committed to it. Um, but, and I just couldn't, the main thing is I could just never get comedy out of my mind. And so I would do it in the summers and then I would kind of like go nuts in the winters. Right. And it like, Building parks, it satisfies, I'll always do it. Um, and it's something I'll always be involved in. But there's just, comedy fulfills this other creative need and this other, you know, uh, need for like attention and love, I think, mm -hmm. uh, that skate parks will never fulfill. After I went to Johnson, I worked at the Vermont Studio Center, which is a it's like an artist resident, a huge artist residency mm -hmm. program. And that was just another example of like, I was around all these like really passionate, creative people from all over the world. And I was, and this was before I was doing comedy and I was, I would see these people like create these amazing works of art mm -hmm. and just be, you could tell that it was so much more than like a hobby or like it just, you can't, you can't make something that beautiful without needing to like when you have an urge that strong, um, you, you wrap your life around it. And that's like, you were saying, um, this podcast is about like talking to people who find a way to live life on their terms. Mm -hmm. And I think, that's like what an that's what an artist is to me it's like someone you're not doing it you are doing it because you want to but it's also you just have to like right and i you know like i struggle with mental illness and it's like i just have to be creative i i if i don't use if i don't like harness the creative power of my mind it goes dark like immediately it's something that i have to like pull it out of on a day-to-day -day yeah. basis and it's like it, it's just a, it's like a spinning this web constantly 
and like writing jokes down and kind of like uh, making puns or this wordplay, it's just the easiest way to like take that energy and get it into some kind of form that's like, that's fun, you know, and fun, not just for myself, like something that I can share with other people. Um, But to get back to, oh, and so as far as taking it seriously or starting to approach it, I had spent all this time in college and then working at the studio center, like seeing all these really creative people. And I had kind of tried the skate park thing and it wasn't really working out. And then when I was 28, after going through a bunch of like really dark winters, I saw an ad for uh, an improv class in Burlington at Spark Arts, which I don't think is is an organization, but it's the people that uh, Nathan and Natalie that own the Vermont Comedy Club. They had like a classroom space and they had a free, uh, you could, they had a free drop-in weekly improv class. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, oh, this is perfect. Like, it's not in front of an audience. It's just, you're just working with other people who are there for free. And so I was like, I'm going to try this. So I went and did that for three months and I loved it. That was always like the highlight of my week. Mm-hmm. And then That's that kind of, that, and then it was like, I was, I was around creative people who were trying to be funny too. So you can like feed off that energy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was something I could, I was like, Oh, there are people who are, there are people in my area that want to do this. And then I, um, and then in January of 2014, that's when I started doing stand up, and I did both for like six months. And then I just, um, in like probably March of 2014, a couple months after I started doing stand-up, I re- that's when I like actually started to keep a notebook on me all the time. And then it was like, um, then I started writing down stuff constantly. Mm-hmm. I heard I heard an interview with Mitch Hedberg, and he said, "They're like, what advice do you give to young comics?" And he said. Um, it's simple, write down everything funny that comes to your head and don't be lazy. And it really is like, there's always something you can be doing. Like there's always like marketing and networking and all this shit and going to mics and stuff. But I really love the simplicity of that's what it comes down to is just like living your life. And when you get that spark of like, oh, that's kind of funny or you can just write it down. So you're it's so accessible, you know, and the yeah. tools are so simple. I, I, that was something that, um, I guess because I, I it might just be the nature of your stand up, mm-hmm. but, um, I've never noticed a comic, like just carrying their notebook with them. And that was something that intrigued me when I, when I first like saw you at, um, a lovely time mm-hmm. and I was just like, Hmm, like, I wonder like how many actual jokes are in there like you're even I, I'm sure a lot of people who see you think the same thing like I wonder like how much he's writing in this book because you you know you're referring to it a lot yeah um but it really though like I that's what I like about comedy is that it I some of it obviously in certain people's stand-ups is kind of it's like it's based on reality, but they kind of make it a little bit more ridiculous to make it funnier. Mm-hmm. But um, I like the jokes that you bring out because they're, it's more about being witty and less about like 
building like a story, I guess. Mm -hmm. Have you ever thought about doing that kind of comedy as opposed to what you do now? Um, yeah, yeah, there was, I've done some storytelling, like straight up gone to storytelling events and, and tried to do it. I was pretty, I was pretty deep in stand up. I mean, whatever. I'm all, I'm like five years in, which is like very, very uh, early mm -hmm. in terms of it. But I mean, I had, I had been doing it almost every night for like a year and these are just pretty much right from the beginning I was writing short jokes it's always the stand-up that I I like a lot of different styles but the people that really stand out in my mind and definitely the people who um that just I, I enjoyed the most and I, I mean I listened to Hedberg by far the most mm -hmm. of any other comic um but yeah, him and Rodney Dangerfield and uh, Stephen Wright were always my favorite. Oh, and it's, I just love the, um, I love the economy of it. Like the fact that you can elicit such a huge response from an audience with like 12 words. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's so cool. And, it, and a lot of it comes from hip hop. Like I'm kind of like more, I'm almost more influenced by hip hop writing than I am by comedy. Just like the style, like how like long their like verses are and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. and, and just the like, it's, I, I pretty much like wish that I was a rapper, like, or like, I'm trying, that's like kind of what I'm striving for as far as like, there, cause there's so much, there's so much information packed into a hip hop song. Mm -hmm. And, and it's just done so well. It's so, at least for me, like, it's so delicious to hear it. Like, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> oh my God. It, like, I, you know, I listened to Gangstar a lot growing up and just a lot of hip hop and skate videos, but I would, I just love the tricks that they do. They're doing tricks. Like, it's like skating, you know, like, yeah. they're the, a lot of poetic techniques like alliteration and uh, making analogies and it's just a, such a beautiful way of like thinking and expressing yourself and it's so like I said it's so economic like everything fits together with everything else like every every syllable and pause is important and and I real I really do think of it like surfing or skating the like the way that they meander yeah through a verse and they're these like hard turns where you don't see you don't expect something and i really i picture i don't know it's like synesthesia or whatever like i so i picture like the spray yeah yeah of like the water mm -hmm. or the it's like surfing attention um but anyways i that's, yeah that's that's what i i've never thought of uh I never thought of it that way, but it's now that you're saying that it's very, it's pretty accurate. It's interesting because I don't know if those people think of it like that. Like, I wonder how they think of the way they like go about doing hip hop or whatever, writing it. Yeah. Because I, I've always been fascinated with how people can do that, like on the fly mm -hmm. and just, they just have verses on them. Like, yeah. How? <laughs> 
I mean, it's probably a lot of practice and reading. I know I, I met someone who was trying to become a rapper. Yeah. And he was just kind of talking about like what he does on daily, but mm-hmm. it's just like a lot of reading like thesauruses and dictionaries yeah. and stuff. I'm like, jeez. <laughs> yeah. That's got to be a lot. Do you do any of that? Like reading up? Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, I have a pocket dictionary. I bought it at Powell Books in uh, in Portland, Oregon, and I read the whole thing. I read, uh, it's like 40,000 words, and um, I read it when I was building the skate park in Nashua. I was working for, yeah, I worked for Artisan Skate Parks. Uh, they built the. Bur- I met them while they were building the bur- the Burlington Waterfront Park, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't real. I just was stoked to meet people. It's like a solidarity thing. I, like I had built parks and I had done a couple concrete projects when I met them, and it's just skate. It's the skater family, yeah. dude. It really is. I, like if somebody skates. I assume I assume that I can be friends with them. And you know, sometimes people are too cool or whatever, yeah. but I always go into an interaction with another skater assuming that like this person will be down to have a good time with me in some sense whether it's like let's go skate this right now or like what else is going on in your city? Like right. what are what's the cool shit that you like to do? Like when I go to a city if I don't know anyone, and I've done this quite a few times now where like, I'll go to a city and not know anyone and I just go straight to the skate park and I'm just nice and I skate with people and then next thing you know, I have a place to stay, I get to see their band that night, I'm going to like an art show, whatever, like it's such a cool way to plug into culture. Um, yeah, but, definitely. Oh yeah, but I, I met those guys here. I met them at Burton. And they were ripping like the the craziest Burton session I've ever seen. Definitely, uh, Ryan Fortis, Trevor Biggs, Duran Beasley, Dave Maxwell. Uh, I think there's a couple other people there too that I can't recall at this moment. But these guys are just ripping, and I'm like, this is so sick. Mm-hmm. Like these guys are building us a cool park, and they're like ripping all this shit. And they're that really I've- fucking good. <laughs> Yeah, like this is like, I want to be, I just want to hang out with these right. dudes. And I, I gave him my number and I, I just showed him around and I made him dinner one night. And then six months later, it wasn't even like, I was pretty invested. In, I was fully like serious about doing comedy and was doing it a ton at that point. And I was pretty well set up in Burlington and, you know, had a good like circuit going and was getting booked a lot and stuff. And right when I... I was kind of thinking like, man, I'm almost like a little bit too comfortable. They offered me a job and that's when I started to travel a lot. And I was like, I was like, oh man, like this is like, it's like super hard work. And part of me is, I'm partly a bum, totally. Like, and I was like, this is going to be so hard. But then I was like, (laughs) no, I can't fucking say no to this. Like, this is so sick. And so I did that and. Uh, yeah, and the third job I did with them was Nashua, New Hampshire, which I'm like so stoked that I got to be a part of that because it's like pretty much the sickest tranny park in New England, in my opinion. How far is that from here? It's like three and a half hours. Okay, that's not too bad. Something like that. 
And um, yeah, and I lived with my coworker, Justin Gorman, and he lived in Haverhill, Mass. And it was an hour commute from his house. And I, he drove every single day. Like I offered to drive, but he just, he drove every day. Yeah. And yeah, so like I read the dictionary to and from work. That's funny. <laughs> it's funny. You don't even like, it's not even like you retain. I didn't retain a lot of it. But words are, um, language is like, um, you know, words have parts and those parts are interchangeable right. with other words. So the more you familiarize yourself, which is like combinations. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, you're just looking at the same thing. What's a, I, I wrote it. I read a joke once like, uh, once you've read the dictionary, every other book is just a remix. <laughs> it's true. Which is pretty dope, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, like, my dad always, like, when I was growing up, my dad would use big words. And I'd be like, what's that mean? And he would always make me look it up. He would never tell me. <laughs> That's and, actually probably a good way of teaching. Just do yeah. yourself. <laughs> yeah. And it's fun, like you know, regular dictionary as opposed to looking it up on your phone because then you're like, you get to that page and you're like, oh, well, there, what's this word? And like, oh, this the next word after it. It's interesting when things are arranged in alphabetical order, you're like, then that kind of feeds your brain as far as like learning how to make alliteration happen and how because the alphabet, because the dictionary is in alphabetical order, it's almost like this like weird poem where you're going through the entire language and you see how like one one form of word like morphs into these other words right. i don't know i don't like whoever you know the people who started speaking languages you know whenever that point in history that's blows my mind mm -hmm. because especially the english language is one of the most like deep and just super confusing languages out there yeah and to think that we can speak it so easily just i don't get it <laughs> yeah it's i guess it's just like a testament to the human mind or something i don't yeah i mean yeah it's like the culture you grow up in i have i think i've heard that english is one of the hardest languages to learn yeah if it's not your first that and like uh i think dutch is, is super hard too um I think but it's yeah. just like our language doesn't have it, none of none of it makes sense. Like there's no real structure to certain things, and then when you add slang and other stuff yeah. in there, it just gets really. Especially someone trying to learn the language, you're learning it from people who don't speak it only proper. Yeah, you know, like I don't speak proper English half the time. Yeah, I'm just speaking like whatever. You know, saying like in in a sentence that'll throw someone off. They'd be like, "What are you, what yeah. are you saying?" <laughs> I I when I took Spanish, I remember our Spanish teacher saying, "You you think like a certain word means something, uh -huh. but when you don't know the slang, that slang like changes the meaning of the word." Uh -huh. um, something like, uh, "I I like someone" or "I like something" means more like I like love romantically uh -huh. if you say it a certain way and we would say it in class you're like no no no, don't say that to anyone uh -huh. that'll actually be like really inappropriate to say that to someone they'll be like yeah. thrown off so i don't know that's funny um 
No, I wanted to hit on something though you said uh, with your skating is that, or working on the, the ramps, is uh -huh. that the comedy was still kind of ringing in your head kind of thing. Yeah. That, that is, that to me is really impactful and I think a lot of people listening to this can resonate with that in something else they're doing, whether it's photography or whatever. And uh, that's just like a true testament that that probably is what your real calling is. Yeah. I think because if something's that adamant to like keep pushing you at you whatever that energy is that's really cool that you were able you were like working a full-time job basically doing yeah that. yeah and it still was like no dude you gotta <laughs> gotta make someone laugh today yeah yeah <laughs> there's yeah it's funny like when I was growing up and like I said when I was in art school and stuff like it was so it took so much effort for me to get something done or like I just didn't want to I didn't want to paint or things like that, but I would just do it anyways. But then once I started writing jokes, it was like a lot of times, like it's all I can do to keep up, you mm -hmm. know, like there's sometimes, um, there's four or five times actually recently when I drove, um, I drove my girlfriend out to Los Angeles and, um, the first, uh, I think from like Philadelphia, to New Orleans, it was like, I thought of a joke probably every like three or four minutes or something like that. Like, wow. and it's, and I'm just constantly like, obviously when I'm driving, I'm just like voice recording, but I filled up a notebook in like two or three days, which I've, I've done, I've probably done that like six or eight times now mm -hmm. where I'll get these waves of whatever, some type of like creative flow mm -hmm. where it like it feels like in the movie in like Goodwill Hunting or whatever where he's like writing the math equation on the chalkboard and yeah. showing like the overlay and it's like a <laughs> montage. It's like a it's like of it's like this uh, flow state, and it's not even like, um, it's not even like most of them are good or usable or I don't even I don't even like to put the to put that filter on mm -hmm. it's like if I get the urge I write it down that's the most important thing and it's like just if you can just find something in your life that feels like that that you're compelled to do um like follow that because it because it's only gotten stronger for me like yeah. the more I do it the better I get at it and the more um it, like it's like I said, it, that's why I ended up reading the dictionary. And then like I played Boggle and stuff a lot growing up and, and like all that listening to hip hop and memorizing hip hop lyrics. Um, it just trained me. It trained my brain to like notice rhymes a lot more and to be able to, it just like now when I get a concept for a joke, um, I can put it into the most efficient language quicker and quicker, which, you know, which is cool because now when I'm on stage, if I think of a joke, a new joke, I get better and better at being able to express it like immediately right. on stage. And like the closer, the shorter the interim is between the inspiration for a joke or that urge mm -hmm. and delivering it 
um, the higher the potential is for it to hit really hard because it's like, it's like live inspiration, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, it doesn't even, um, there's plenty of jokes that I've said in the moment like that where I've written them down and then they don't work again the next time or whatever, but it doesn't even matter. Like just seeing someone like, uh, like being present for that moment of inspiration and delivery yeah. is like really powerful. You, uh, you definitely did that at both events that I saw you at, um, just like working off the crowd. Yeah. You were able to come up with something really quick on the fly and like say it and that that stuff just like cracks me up well i mean i personally i i don't know like i'm sure some people may not enjoy the comedy that you do as opposed to other things like (laughs) i it's because it's funny um if any of you get a chance to go see um go see you at a at a at a a show wherever because you're you know you're all over the place um is like my favorite thing is you'll you'll say a joke and even if it doesn't hit, uh-huh. just the awkwardness in between, like where no one's really saying anything, you still can get laughs out of it just because of the way you like banter with yourself. <laughs> Almost yeah. you're like you're like talking with yourself and then also talking with the audience as well. Which I, I like that interaction. Yeah. Because um, I feel like a lot of stand-up comics it's almost like a facade where they are kind of like, it's like more about them and they don't like it if people are talking, which I get that. Yeah. But I like that you kind of converse with people a little bit more yeah. um, at times. And I, I think that's, it's, it's a good addition. Cause I think if you were just saying the jokes and not saying anything after each yeah. one, just going to the next one, you kind of lose that, the humor to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a tough thing to balance and it's yeah like you have all these little like golden nuggets that you Mm -hmm. want to share with everyone and um but you know and you want you want everyone to be quiet and attentive but on the other hand uh yeah but Especially, I think especially my style, if I go, the jokes are so short and they're so dumb, a lot of them, that if, if I don't, I just seem like a robot, you know? And Mm -hmm. then it's like, and a lot, a lot of it is like really simple wordplay and some of it arguably like anyone could make that joke. And so I'm for, I'm forced to kind of be more personable and get other people involved. And that's what I want it to be. Like, I want it to be a real thing. I really struggle with that. Like I'm, I'm trying to, I'm in the process of like, um, I want, I really want to record an album because there's a lot of jokes that I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm pretty sick of doing them, but I like them so much that I want them to be, I want them to be publicly available. And, and I want them a lot of them are about kind of like where I am in my career or, or life or whatever. Right. Um, so I'm struggling with that. Like I want to record an album, but it's so hard to bottle the energy of a live show. You right. com- stand up comedy is by far the best live. Like it's so much better live, and it's fucking magic, dude. It's like live, and it'll never. I don't think it'll ever. 
um, there will always be a demand for that. Oh yeah. That live. I feel like life would be dull without humor being a pretty important part of it. Yeah. Like, which I mean, it, which kind of brings me to like the I guess the sadder side of comedy, which is like it's crazy that you know you say like comedy is this like magical thing, mm-hmm. but not always is the comedian in getting that same feeling out of it I guess like you yeah. look at people like Robin Williams and other people who are comedians like some of the best of of our like time yeah and they were still like not okay and yeah that's just it's it's interesting that even when you're laughing it may not necessarily be like um what's going on in their life oh yeah yeah, yeah. but it's cool to hear that you use it to help you live a more like fulfilling life and feel just like good about yourself and what you're doing yeah yeah I mean it's definitely that's like it's something I worry about for sure but it's like like I feel like my mind is a blessing and a curse I feel like anyone's like that but that's also a comforting thing for me a lot like I'm always worried about, I'm always like, oh, I want to make it, like, oh, I want to blow up, I mm-hmm. want to, like, do this all the time, whatever. But it's so funny, it's such an interesting paradox, because I I do do it all the time, like, mm-hmm. and it's not easy, and I'm not, like, I don't have fancy things. Right. But it doesn't, it, that stuff will never matter. I, I mean... Whatever it would be cool, yeah. Well, and if the opportunity matter. presented itself, I I would, you know, get a nice car. I don't know. Uh, I don't even like thinking about that shit. But it's like, yeah, it's <laughs> that's. I think anyone who's doing something for themselves, like that thought, always kind of creep like creeps by you every yeah. once in a while. Like I think about it, I'm like, oh, what if what Kyle and I are doing blows up? Like, yeah, and. Something that we, like, we don't like to talk about it that much, but something that's, like, true to what we do is that we're, like, yeah, we're doing this partly because we want to live, you know, we need to make money so that we can do this full time. Um, Yeah. But we don't, like, we have this, like, pact almost that we'll never let however much money we could potentially make, like, change who we are or change what our true passion is and kind of get us sidetracked from what we're really trying to do yeah so i think in that just it's a lot of self-control yeah to contain that energy and excitement like oh my god i got all this money now like what am i gonna do right well i kind of like the idea of like uh i i'm in this position where like i'm i'm reaching for these things that i want as far as like uh, you know, be just, I would like to headline clubs and, mm-hmm. and be a full-time comedian. I don't, I kind of struggle with the idea of fame, but I, it is something that I would be into. And, but then when I, like it's happening right now where I look at it and I like feel bad about wanting that, or I, I, um, realize ways that that would make my life difficult but then all I ever have to do when I start to worry about that shit 
I just, I look at what my life was like before I started writing jokes and I was miserable, you know? Like I, I did okay, but I survived, but just like some of the happiest moments in my life have been just the moment I think of a good joke, which yeah. has been like, I'm like on a Greyhound at two in the morning <laughs> or, or telling a joke to like, I told a joke to this one guy at a McDonald's in New Jersey one time and like my truck wouldn't start and I was like waiting for AAA and I told this like one of my favorite jokes like pretty soon I think I'd written it on that car ride and I told it to some guy at McDonald's and he and he loved it you know like it like and like that life comes down to those moments you know and it's like and I'm never no matter where I'm at that is always available to me the ability to inner to uh to connect with another person do you think so that. when you started doing like like writing down your jokes and telling them to people mm -hmm. uh was it awkward for you to like get someone to listen to you like to create that interaction in the first place yeah yeah because like i said bef before i was doing stand-up i was pretty introverted or just really anxious socially and really um, hesitant mm -hmm. to, to interact with strangers past a hello or, you know, short, right. like small talk or whatever. And that is, it still is difficult and I think it always will be, but it's like, that's part of what I want to do is like kind of like break down barriers between people and whatever. Like I can't let, it's so much bigger than me Right. telling the jokes, you know, it comes from something so much bigger than me. And I feel, I just, I feel a responsibility to share that, uh, that, uh, levity mm -hmm. and, I, that's another thing I love about it is that it's, it's such a strong urge that overpowers my small self or whatever. Cause there's been so many times where I'm like, Oh, I'm too scared. Like, I'm not going to, I don't want to go up, but I'm just like, no, fuck that. Like I have to fucking go up. And it's, and it's been times like that. Like there's been times, uh, I perform on the street. I don't do it as I'm kind of like not doing it as much as I was at one point, but there's been a couple times like performing on the street, like a couple occurrences and like some of the times I think about are in like Baltimore and in Boston and stuff where I'm, I mean, every time I do it on the street, I'm nervous, but there's been a couple times where I was like straight up, like fucking terrified, <laughs> like pacing, trying to build up the courage to like approach this group of people. And then I'll do it and like do really well and have an awesome time. Yeah. And there's like, there's no shortcut to stuff like that in life. Like it's hard to do cool shit. Yeah. Like that's, so, but it's worth it. It's worth right. the effort. Yeah. You know? Um, something that I, I heard it somewhere. I, I don't remember exactly where, but it was the person was saying that, like the only way to, I guess, like excel or progress in whatever you're doing is putting yourself in moments of just complete discomfort. Mm -hmm. Something that's just like, 
completely out of your comfort zone because that's the only way you can like push yourself to the next like level. Yeah. So whether that's, for example, for me doing podcasting, starting to do this has helped me a lot with, I have partial social anxiety where I don't like talking to strangers. Yeah. For like, I don't like to walk up and start a conversation randomly. I always uh-huh. feel like there needs to be context to why I'm talking to someone or it's just weird mm-hmm. to just go up and like, hey, what's going on? Um, so doing this is nice because I'm built, bringing context. This is why I want to talk to you. Oh, right. I want to like hear about your story. And so, yeah, I've met, I met you before briefly. I met some other people that we interviewed briefly before we interviewed them, but you know, after doing the podcast, it's like, okay, now I feel like I know this person and I could get coffee with them or something later on down the line and yeah. just like met a new person. So I definitely think, and when I first started this, the first one I did, I was terrified. Yeah. I did it by myself and I was like, I've never interviewed someone before. I was like, we're in the person I interviewed, cool. she had never done a podcast either. So it was nice that we had mm. a mutual thing going on so we're like okay we're both nervous about this it's cool we'll be fine and then mm-hmm. we forgot that the mic was there after a while so it's kind of nice um, cool so I wanted to hit on one last thing before we can kind of wrap it up and I was just I just wanted to talk about skating because like okay. skating's cool um, <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> so, I agree so um, I, I've grown up as a skier my whole life since uh-huh. I was like three years old and I'm uh, in park skiing so um, you know there's a lot of elements that are similar to mm-hmm. skating and um, skiing um, but uh, I've been getting into skateboarding more I've always wanted to be a skater uh-huh. but I uh, I don't know. I never put the effort into getting good at it. Yeah. And uh, because I skied, I always put my effort on skiing. And then I started blading, like aggressive inline blading, which uh-huh. people hate on all the time. Yeah. Um, but uh, I started skating this summer, like pretty frequently. And yeah. so it's just, I, I've been connecting a lot, like with what you've been saying and uh, someone else we interviewed who's also a skater. It's just, there's a lot of themes and elements from skating that are very applicable to life in general. Yeah. And I, I guess this is just like a, uh, a rant about how I think that more people should skate Yeah. in general. Yeah. Or like any of the, I guess any action sport really. Yeah. What it, what, I guess what it, what is your, um, take on skating in general? Just its impact on everything. Um, I mean, like I said, I identify as a skater. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, it was my whole life. I guess when I was like, when I was little, I played with Legos a lot and then I kind of got into video games and then I got into skateboarding. Those are like that as far as like how I spent the majority of my time. That's pretty much how it went. And then from the time I started skateboarding, like, oh yeah, I, like I said, there were kids in my middle school and I thought they were the coolest kids because they skated. And I pretty much, I pretty much started skating cause I wanted to hang out with them. I wanted them to yeah. think I was cool, which I don't know if that ever really worked, but, <laughs> but it doesn't really matter. Cause it's like, uh, 
yeah, skateboarding, like, really, that was my whole life from the time I was 13 until I started doing comedy. Comedy was the only thing that ever, where I've sacrificed skateboarding time to be able to get better at that. And honestly, like, I, uh, like, I dream of doing comedy full-time because then I could skate a lot more. And (laughs) I could, uh, and, uh, I could, as long as I can talk into a microphone, I can do stand up. So even if I can't stand up, I can do stand up. You know, so, so like I can, like, yeah. I can, I don't have to worry about like getting hurt and not yeah. being able to work because I can write or whatever. Um, but I don't, I think uh, one thing I think is important to note, like you were saying, people hate on bladers or whatever, <laughs> scooters. You know, I. I hate that. Like, I really don't like that aspect of, like, the skater. Yeah, it's like almost like a, uh, uh, a click thing. Yeah, it absolutely is. It abs- And it's, it's, I mean, this happens over and over again in everything where, like, people are like, oh, yeah, I started skating because, like, uh, I wasn't accepted <laughs> in, like, society or what. Like, I'm an outcast. And now skateboarding has become... You know, it's it's uh, it's very popular. There's so many people that do it. Like, it, you don't fit. Like, you don't fit into. You see yourself as an outsider, in this group, so you then create your own group, and then you exclude people, mm-hmm. and that's like I think that's something that we'll always do as humans. But it's something that we. Uh, should always be aware of and Absolutely. I guess try not to do like because anyone like I f- hate it I really I really really don't like it when people are mean or straight up like violent to like little kids that are trying to have a good time like yeah it, like if uh, kids you you should move you should you should move your body and have a good time and if you're doing it on a scooter or on rollerblades like if you really like doing it then who the fuck cares like that's lame so lame to call someone a kook because they're whatever you're doing the same thing that every that you're saying you don't you hate it when people do you know what i mean right but but on the same token like if There's definitely a lot of kids, they, I know this for a fact, there's a lot of kids that ride scooters because they think skateboarding is too hard. Like, I've had that conversation with a lot of kids at the skate park. They're like, oh, I wish I could skateboard, but, but this is just so much easier. And it's like, okay, well, that's not a good... That's not a good excuse. Yeah, yeah, like... (laughs) Yeah, that, but maybe that's a good lesson for them to learn, like talking to someone like you, you know, someone who's pretty good at skateboarding and just be like well maybe the reason it's so hard is because you're not trying to skateboard right (laughs) yeah like that's that's what i i always say like i i look at a skateboarder i'm like that's like wizardry to me yeah i see people doing crazy flip tricks off like a ledge or something i'm like how do you even know to put your feet wherever like how your body awareness and everything it's just so technical um yeah, it's but insane. for me, so I've I've bladed for a while now since like the beginning of high school. So mm-hmm. it's been like eight, eight or nine years. Um, 
and uh, it was like we, I skated, I bladed with other bladers, so it was nice that I had a group of people to blade with, so I didn't have to worry about, you know, anyone saying anything, but over yeah. time, I kind of became the only one who kept blading, mm-hmm. um, and I only did it because it's this closest thing I can do that's similar to skiing mm-hmm. when I can't ski. Yeah. And I just work on like rails and balance and everything. But um, like I said, this year I started skating more. Mm-hmm. I had a skateboard for a while and didn't really ever use it. Um, I was always like, my friends were good. They could do like kickflips and stuff. And I was like, couldn't even do an ollie. But I would just like, I'm super energetic and I'll like throw all of my energy into something. So I'll sketchily like kick the board really fast and like almost land like something crazy and they're like how do you even i'm like i don't know what i'm doing right um but this year i put more time into skating and um like i learned how to board slide and other just kind of basic tricks in skating but what i do now is i go to the park as a blader to start And I kind of just see how people are judging because I yeah, know yeah, people yeah. are judging. Oh yeah! So I'll blade. I love that shit, dude. I'll blade first, and I mean, I'm a, I'm I wouldn't say like I'm an expert blader, but I'm pretty good. I can hold my own. I can hit rails, ledges, everything. Um, and there's like a bowl at the uh, park that I go to, which is really shitty. If you ever get a chance to go, is there, it the one in Syracuse? It's concrete. Yeah, on Onondaga Lake Park. And there's a yeah, there's a square bowl. Yeah, it's, I know that. I've never got to skate. It looks really fun. I love parks. So, like that. from the outside, it looks fun, but yeah. when you get in there, it's act, what we all joke about. We all say it looks like someone made it in like the Tony Hawk Pro Skater like yeah. build your own park thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, whoever built the park didn't know how to build a park. Yeah. Um, everything's kind of like lopsided and not really well put together, but besides the point, um, um, I would, uh, yeah, you should definitely check it out. It's, it's pretty fun, but like the bowl itself is kind of sketchy. It's not like super smooth Mm -hmm. transition wise. So I kind of use it more as like a half pipe Mm -hmm. where I'll come in off the spine and then just use oh, the yeah, tombstone and then just kind of go back and forth there. Mm-hmm. But like, actually you'd probably do better in terms of using it as a bowl. Yeah. Um, actually like riding the whole thing. I've seen one of my friends do it. So whipping it. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I'll, I'll go in blading and then I bust out my skateboard afterwards and I'll be like doing board slides and stuff. People are like, were you just blading like two minutes ago? Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> And then, like, after that, I just see this, like, level of respect come up because I yeah. can do a skateboard trick. I'm like, I, I just for me, I mean, it's nice because then people open up to me and, like, I can vibe whether I'm blading or skating. Yeah. But I do agree with you. I wish that you didn't have to do that. Like. Yeah, yeah. I could just go in as a blader and people would be like, oh, sick. Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> a lot of times it's a, a lot of times it's a, a specifically in terms of a skate park, like. A lot of times it's a matter of, uh, of etiquette, you know, like (laughs) if you, uh, if anyone is like not aware of their surroundings and like snaking or like you're waxing the coping or whatever, then it's like, that's just shitty behavior no matter who you are or no matter what you're on. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times people will use that like, oh, you're on blades, like fuck you, you wax the coping, like, get out of my way, whatever, you scooter kid. But it's like, you hear that a lot, like, oh, these scooter kids are always in the way. It's like, well, when you first started skateboarding, 
you had no idea what yeah. to do at a park. Like, you didn't know. You were scared of getting in the way. And the only way that a kid is gonna learn is if you tell them, you know? And a lot of times you have to like, you have to, there's a lot of like parents that are so, I, I don't understand how you could bring a toddler to a skate park. <laughs> yeah. You see everyone cruising around and you just walk in and just let your kid go and not pay attention. Like this is like a, it's like a street, but you have to look in all directions. Like, yeah, it's more chaotic almost. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's like, it, if a kid is getting in your way, like there's two things you could do. You could be an asshole and scare the crap out of them mm -hmm. and give like, give skaters a bad name or just people at the skate park a bad name. And like you're scaring, this kid is trying to have a good time, right. is trying to survive in this really chaotic atmosphere. Or you can be like, hey man, just so you know, there's kind of, this is like kind of how it works around here. Like you need to look where you're going. You need to like pay attention to people kind of take turns, this and that. It's like, you gotta get, you have to give a kid a chance to do the right, right. thing. That it's one thing to like, I kind of have like a three strikes you're out rule. Like I'll tell a kid three times if they get in my way or, and it's, and if they're not paying attention and they're cutting you off out of order or whatever, yeah, you know yeah. how it works. Like there's just a certain like flow yeah. to a situation that then I'll like be like, dude, you're in the way. Like, and I, I don't know. I try to be like a good dude or whatever, but it's, it's hard. Um, you can't just jump straight to being a dick. Right. Like you, that, that's not going to fucking solve anything. And it's just going to bum the kid out, you know, like also use a lot of these are usually younger kids and little kids are like sponges. So yeah. they're going to remember that incident where someone got super pissed off with them yeah. and that could like taint their image of what it is to go to the skate park. And they might like, exactly. you, you could potentially scare someone from even wanting to go to a skate park again just yeah. by the way you react to someone. That's something yeah. I always like. I, I like that you say that that you try to give everyone a chance because some people are just like outright, you have to. outright the second they see a kid come in with a scooter or whatever, yeah. they're just like, fuck this kid. Yeah. I'm like, all right, like that's a little hasty. Like you don't know if, you don't know anything about this person. Just like, but I do agree. I, I think parents shouldn't, um, just dump their kids in there and then not even like watch. Yeah. They're just like sitting on the bench or whatever on their phone and their little kids like nearly getting blasted yeah. by a skateboarder or biker like coming through. Yeah, there's some kind of, obviously there's, there's, it's up to the parent. There's some kind of age cutoff where it's your responsibility to make sure that they're not, mm -hmm. that they're not uh, putting themselves and other people in danger. And there's a responsibility, like if it's 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, that's not the time to, yeah. to <laughs> like, if it's 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, you should be a little bit more, uh, forgiving or you could go find something else to skate. You could skate the bowl, like whatever, like, it, I don't know. Yeah. More tolerance, more kindness, like more acceptance, you know, build a, like, Make it a place that's fun for everyone to go and everyone will have a better time. True. 
Like, don't, yeah. Plus, if it's like someone's first time going to the skate park, but that's their, the skate park that's closest to them, all it takes is like one instance where they like learn how it's supposed to be and it probably won't be a problem yeah, moving exactly. forward. And you know what? That applies to all creative aspects. That's like, whether I find that in, that's similar in comedy and stuff like, you know, uh, I don't know, like pay attention and be respectful to the other people that are trying to have fun the same way. Mm -hmm. Because if you do that, you, everyone's going to learn more and it's going to be a more of a good time. Like true. I mean, the more everyone's going to make more progress, right? When you, when you just see like everyone progressing around you, that just makes it so much more fun. That's what's up. But yeah, progression is an infinite. I, d I read an interview with, uh, with, uh, Monk, the guy who started Grindline. Mm -hmm. And it's, I've always like thought of this and it was really cool to see him put it into words. Like, uh, we all have infinite room for improvement. So like in reality, we're all at the same point on the spectrum. Like just because like you might think that you're the shit and that you're like the best skater at the park or whatever. But in reality, you always have a comfort zone that you're trying to push past. Right. And the little kid that's never dropped in is at the same point at you. And so when you sit, when you see a kid like learn something and push through that fear, that is so sick and mm -hmm. it's like so exciting and it pushes you to do, you're like, damn, like that kid learned <laughs> how to drop in. Like I'm going to like do my invert today or whatever. Like you get yeah. psyched, you know? Yeah. And then the kid sees that and they're like, holy shit. Like I didn't know a person could do that. Like I, I want to do that someday. And it just, it creates a, a environment of, improvement and yeah I think that's like the biggest element I take out of action sports in general that I can just apply to my life or I guess give to anyone is that that like because there's so much more risk in trying to drop into a, a bowl or go off a jump or whatever yeah. that life's not like that risk isn't gonna see you in life when you try something you're uncomfortable with so I think being able to do it there kind of sets that precedence for real life where for the re yeah. yeah you're like okay well i can freaking like do a backflip off a wooden jump where there's like concrete if i fall yeah and i landed that so like i can go up and pitch this uh joke to someone or whatever yeah, and yeah. the risk is so much less yeah i i think that's a huge lesson that people can get out of any and it doesn't have to be skateboarding it could be yeah. rollerblading longboarding like whatever yeah um and vice versa you know? Yeah. Yeah. It all, it's all connected. That's good stuff. Um, all right. Well, let's end it with this. Um, what, what stuff do you have coming up? You said you have a lot of stuff coming up and this was good timing. So I guess tell everyone, uh, you know, what, what you have coming up, stuff you're excited about, and then, um, where people can find you on social media and stuff like that. So they can, uh, Stay tuned with what you're doing and potentially catch a show or yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, I'm home in Burlington for the next month. Um, I do have some shows. I have a bunch of stuff lined up in Burlington. I'll be hosting at the Vermont Comedy Club for Josh Gondelman in two weekends. Um, I know, I'm not sure what the dates are 
Exactly. I'll look it up while I. We can. It. We'll put it in the um in the description. Okay. Um, like. Oh, that's or the whatever. Yeah. Thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth at the Vermont Comedy Club. Um, there's a new theater here called the Revelry Theater that's in the South End by Arts Riot, and uh, I'll be there this Friday and next Friday. There's a lot of cool stuff. This Friday I'm opening for an improv troupe, and then next Friday I'm gonna be part of a sketch show there. Uh, my friend Jeremy's sketch show. That's pretty exciting. Um, I'm doing, oh, I'm headlining uh, Empire Kitchen in Portland, Maine this weekend. That's a, a Chinese food place with a, a venue in the attic. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah, so do, doing a bunch of stuff in New England over the next month, but primarily in Vermont. And then in January, um, I'm doing a tour from Burlington to Seattle and I'm stopping in uh, uh, There's a new comedy club in Pittsburgh called Burning Bridges Comedy Club. I'm going there. I'm going to uh, Oh, I'm going to Philly first then Pittsburgh um, Detroit Chicago Madison Milwaukee Minneapolis um, Fargo, Missoula, and then maybe maybe some stuff in like Yakima, Washington. I haven't really looked mm -hmm. into it that far. But then I'll be in Seattle uh, until the festival season starts in New England again. And then yeah, I, ju I just bought uh, I just bought a nail gun and a compressor, and uh, I'm trying to do more. We want to build a ramp. I just want to build more skate stuff mm -hmm. at festivals. Um, kind of take the ramp maybe to the next level at lovely time uh otis mountain get down they've my friends that run that have expressed interest in doing something and uh arts uh south end art hop i really hope i don't have to miss that again this year because i i did a skateboarding like roller coaster thing Ooh, a few cool. years ago and i would really like to do that again so just a lot uh just trying to get better at comedy uh doing shows and traveling as much as possible but also i guess yeah trying to like lay low in seattle for a little bit yeah and then building stuff to skate next summer in vermont and in new england like kind of trying to uh make skateboarding more of a thing at these music festivals mm -hmm. and kind of trying to get these like mellow ramps out of here and, <laughs> or just have some bigger options yeah or, i i agree with that something yeah. just it adds a, it adds an entertainment factor to a festival because like not everyone's gonna skate it, but yeah. just to see people skating it just brings something else to you know another element to the experience of the festival. Yeah, and something like Otis, like a, a ramp would be a huge hit. And yeah, like everyone's mountain biking and stuff there too. So why not? That's kind of <laughs> that. I was hoping we could put it right in that zone. And I mean, that's sick. Like, I saw a train of, of uh, mountain bike people at Otis this year, like, hitting that jump towards mm -hmm. the bottom of the hill. I was just like, this is in the middle of a music festival. This is oh, so yeah. sick. Yeah. It's so, like, just anything's possible kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like a challenge course would be sick. Yeah. Like a low ropes course or a high ropes course or something. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. If not, yeah. I feel like the, the possibilities are kind of endless at, it's true, at these it's festivals. True. So. Link and build. Yeah. Um, what's your uh, social media handles? It is uh, 
This is too small to see, but it's <laughs> co colorblind Bowen, all one word. And I use Instagram the most. I don't tweet or nothing, but Instagram is definitely the best way to keep up with what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm always I. I was telling him before that uh, I I see like what you're posting on Instagram story. You're pretty up to date with that, and yeah, whether you're skating or whatever. So definitely cool to check that out. Um, Just jokes and skate clips. That's pretty yeah. Much. Once in a while, I I try to post. I don't. Yeah, I don't post a lot of promo. I try to keep it more like entertaining content or whatever. Yeah. Um, now I'm talking like an influencer. <laughs> uh, but I will. But I will post. Um, I will post uh, my kind of like my New England schedule, and then when I do that tour out to Seattle, I'll uh, I'll post all that stuff on there. Awesome. So. Cool. Well, thank you again for yeah. uh, doing this. This was fun. You and, too, uh, um, yeah, good luck with everything too, with your shows, traveling and all that. And I'm hopefully someone listening to this will be put on to your comedy. Yeah. I know I've, I've had n nothing but good things to say about, um, the shows I've seen. So I'm oh, sure yeah. other thank people you. will do the same. All right. I do have a, I have a couple clips on YouTube if you want to see me tell jokes. Ooh, yeah, we could, we can, uh, we can actually use that for a post or something. Okay, cool. For this, that'd be a good way to like preface right the episode. Well, yeah. Good luck with your job, and hopefully, hopefully you live here the next time I come back, and we can skateboard. Thanks again for listening, everyone. This was episode eleven. We're really just looking forward to. You know everything that's coming up whether it's more podcast episodes or the new clothes that we just ordered yes that means in like a week or two there will be new boho hobo clothes so keep your eyes peeled for that on our insta story or on our just page in general we will be posting about it a lot as things start coming in um we're doing a lot of really cool stuff with the clothes this this run um, it's basically the most legit, if you will, uh, line of clothes that we've dropped so far. We're talking custom tagging and uh, really cool designs. We're doing like skiing jackets and more hoodies, beanies. I'm really excited about this. There's a lot of cool artwork and it was a lot of work to go into this but it's a big step for kyle and i so i'm really excited and i hope you guys are too so definitely check that out we'll probably do some type of giveaway or uh some type of sweepstakes to kind of get everyone involved in uh for us uh you know taking that next step to the next level of running a brand give richard a follow he is at colorblind bowen on instagram he said that's the best place to find them so check him out on there give him a follow he posts everything from skate videos to his comedy he did mention that there are some videos on youtube where he was actually doing stand-up so we'll put that link in the description for this also if you haven't already give us a follow at boho underscore hobo underscore on instagram and twitter and then boho hobo for facebook and youtube Right now, Kyle and I are actually in the middle of redesigning our website. We're changing over from a provider called Store Envy and moving over to Shopify. So, what does that mean for you? Well, that means that you are going to get 
a whole new experience with Boho Hobo. And that means on our new website, you're going to get everything from our clothes to all of our podcast episodes, all of our video content, and all of our social media content. We're trying to really just put everything in one spot so that no one's confused about what we are and what we're doing. And that new website will be dropping with the new clothes in the next couple weeks. So a lot of a lot of stuff's happening with us. Thanks again, Richard. Thanks for everyone who's been listening. Give us a review. Give us a comment. Let us know what you think. Screenshot your phone and uh, post it on your Instagram story or repost that. Tell your friends. Um, if you know of anyone that you think might be good to be interviewed with us, let us know. We're always looking for new people to talk to. And other than that, I hope to see you guys next episode, listening, tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed. Thanks, Richard, again for sitting down with us and doing this last second. Really hope that everything that you're doing, whether it's your next tour or building a skate park, goes well. And I'm sure I'll be... uh, hitting you up sometime soon if I move out to Burlington, which is the hope in uh, the coming weeks. So thanks guys. And we'll see you next time on Bindalism philosophy to self-sufficient lifestyle.